The Caves of Steel by Isaac Asimov. Chapter 1. Conversation with the Commissioner. Liege Bailey had just reached his desk when he became aware of R. Sammy watching him expectantly. The dour lines on his long face hardened. What do you want? The boss wants you, Liege. Right away. Soon as you come in. All right. R. Sammy stood there blankly. Bailey said, I said all right. Go away. R. Sammy turned on his heel and left to go about his duties. Bailey wondered irritably why those same duties couldn't be done by a man. He paused to examine the contents of his tobacco pouch and make a mental calculation. At two pipefuls a day, he could stretch it out to the next Dakota day. Then he stepped out from behind his railing. He'd raided a railed corner two years ago and walked the length of the common room. Simpson looked up from a murk pool file as he passed. Boss wants you, Liege. I know. Our Sammy told me. A closely coded tape reeled out of the murk pool's vitals as the small instrument searched and analysed its memory for the desired information stored in the tiny vibration patterns of the gleaming mercury surface within. I'd kick our Sammy's behind if I weren't afraid. I'd break a leg, said Simpson. I saw Vince Barrett the other day. Oh? He was looking for his job back. Or any job in the department. The poor kid's desperate. But what could I tell him? Our Sammy's doing his job and that's all. The kid has to work a delivery tread on the yeast farms now. He was a bright boy too. Everyone liked him. Bailey shrugged and said in a manner stiffer than he intended or felt. It's a thing we're all living through. The boss rated a private office. It said Julius Enderby on the clouded glass. Nice letters, carefully etched into the fabric of the glass. Underneath, it said Commissioner of Police, City of New York. Bailey stepped in and said, You want to see me, Commissioner? Enderby looked up. He wore spectacles because his eyes were sensitive and couldn't take the usual contact lenses. It was only after one got used to the sight of them that one could take in the rest of his face, which was quite undistinguished. Bailey had a strong notion that the commissioner valued his glasses for the personality they lent them and suspected that his eyeballs weren't as sensitive as all that. The commissioner looked definitely nervous. He straightened his cuffs, leaned back and said too heartily, Sit down, Liege, sit down. Bailey sat down stiffly and waited. Enderby said, How's Jesse and the boy? Fine, said Bailey hollowly. Just fine. And your family? Fine, echoed Enderby. Just, just fine. It had been a false start. Bailey thought. Something's wrong with his face. Aloud, he said. Commissioner, I wish you hadn't sent our Sammy out after me. Well, you know how I feel about those things, Liege. But he's been put here and I've got to use him for something. It's uncomfortable, Commissioner. He tells me you want me and he just stands there. You know what I mean? I have to tell him to go or he just keeps standing there. Oh, that's my fault, Liege. I gave him the message to deliver and forgot to tell him specifically to get back to his job when he was through. Bailey sighed. The fine wrinkles about his intensely brown eyes grew more pronounced. Anyway, you wanted to see me? Yes, Liege, said the commissioner, but not for anything easy. He stood up, turned away, and walked to the wall behind his desk. He touched an inconspicuous contact switch, and a section of the wall grew transparent. Bailey blinked to the unexpected insurge of greyish light. The commissioner smiled. I had this arranged specially last year, Liege. I don't think I've shown it to you before. 
Come over here and take a look. In the old days, all rooms had things like this. They were called windows. Did you know that? Bailey knew that very well, having viewed many historical novels. I've heard of them, he said. Come here. Bailey squirmed a bit, but did as he was told. There was something indecent about the exposure of the privacy of a room to the outside world. Sometimes the commissioner carried his affectation of medievalism to a rather foolish extreme. Like his glasses, Bailey thought. That was it. That was what made him look wrong. Bailey said, Pardon me, Commissioner, but you're wearing new glasses, aren't you? The Commissioner stared at him in mild surprise, took off his glasses, looked at them, and then at Bailey. Without his glasses, his round face seemed rounder, and his chin a trifle more pronounced. He looked vaguer, too, as his eyes failed to focus properly. He said, yes. He put his glasses back on his nose, and then added with real anger, I broke my old ones three days ago. What with one thing or another, I wasn't able to replace them till this morning. Liege, those three days were hell. On account of the glasses? And other things too. I'm getting to that. He turned to the window and so did Bailey. With mild shock, Bailey realized it was raining. For a minute, he was lost in the spectacle of water dropping from the sky. While the commissioner exuded a kind of pride, as though the phenomenon were a matter of his own arranging. This is the third time this month I've watched it rain. Quite a sight, don't you think? Against his will, Bailey had to admit it to himself, that it was impressive. In his 42 years, he had rarely seen rain, or any of the phenomena of nature for that matter. He said, It always seems a waste for all that water to come down on the city. It should restrict itself to the reservoirs. Liege, said the commissioner, you're a modernist. That's your trouble. In medieval times, people lived in the open. I don't mean on the farms only. I mean in the cities too, even in New York. When it rained, they didn't think of it as a waste. They gloried in it. They lived close to nature. It's healthier, better. The troubles of modern life come from being divorced from nature. Read up on the coal century sometimes. Bailey had. He had heard many people moaning about the invention of the atomic pile. He moaned about it himself when things went wrong, or when he got tired. Moaning like that was a built-in facet of human nature. Back in the coal century, people moaned about the invention of the steam engine. In one of Shakespeare's plays, a character moaned about the invention of gunpowder. A thousand years in the future, they'd be moaning about the invention of the post-ironic brain. The hell with it. He said grimly, Look, Julius. It wasn't his habit to get friendly with the commissioner during office hours, however many leisures the commissioner threw at him, but something special seemed called for here. Look, Julius, you're talking about everything except what I came in here for, and it's worrying me. What is it? The commissioner said, I'll get to it, Liege. Let me do it my way. It's... it's trouble. Sure, what isn't on this planet? More trouble with the R's? In a way, yes, Liege. I, I stand here and wonder how much more trouble the old world can take. When I put in this window, I wasn't just letting in the sky once in a while. I let in the city. I look at it, and I wonder what will become of it in another century. Bailey felt rep repelled by the other's sentimentality, and he found himself staring out outward in fascination. Even dimmed by the weather... The city was a tremendous thing to see. The police department was in the upper levels of City Hall, and City Hall reached high. From the commissioner's window, the neighbouring towers fell short and the tops were visible. There were so many fingers groping upward. Their walls were blank, featureless. They were the outer shells of human hives. In a way, said the commissioner, I'm, I'm sorry it's raining, we can't see space down. Bailey looked westward, but it was as the commissioner said. 
the horizon closed down. New York's towers grew misty and came to an end against blank whiteness. I know what Space Town is like, said Bailey. I like the picture from here, said the Commissioner. It can just be made out in the gap between the two Brunswick sectors. Low domes spread out. It's the difference between us and the spacers. We reach high and crowd close. With them, each family has a dome for itself. One family, one house. And land between each dome. Have you ever spoken to any of the spacers, Liege? A few times. About a month ago. I spoke to one right here on your intercom, Bailey said patiently. Ah, yes, I remember. But then I'm getting philosophical. We and they, different ways of life. Bailey's stomach was beginning to constrict a little. The more devious the commissioner's approach, the deadlier he thought might be the conclusion. He said, all right, but what's so surprising about it? You can't spread eight million people over Earth in little domes. They've got space on their worlds, so let them live their way. The commissioner walked to his chair and sat down. His eyes looked unblinkingly at Bailey, shrunken a bit by the concave lenses in his spectacles. He said, Not everyone is that tolerant about differences in culture, either among us or among the spacers. All right, so what? So three days ago, a spacer died. Now it was coming. The corners of Bailey's thin lips raised a trifle, but the effect upon his long, sad face was unnoticeable. He said, Too bad. Something contagious, I hope. A virus, a cold, perhaps. The commissioner looked startled. What are you talking about? Bailey didn't care to explain. The precision with which the spacers had bred disease out of their societies was well known. The care with which they avoided, as far as possible, contact with disease-riddled earthmen was even better known. But then sarcasm was lost on the commissioner. Bailey said, I'm just talking. What did he die of? He turned back to the window. The commissioner said, He died of a missing chest. Someone had used a blaster on him. Bailey's back grew rigid. He said without turning, What are you talking about? I'm talking about murder, said the commissioner, softly. You're a plain clothes man. You know what murder is. And now Bailey turned. But a spacer? Three days ago? Yes. But who did it? How? The spacers say it was an earthman. It can't be. Why not? You don't like spacers. I don't. Who on earth does? Someone didn't like them a little too much, that's all. Sure, but there was the fire at the Los Angeles factories. There was the Berlin R smashing. There were the riots in Shanghai. All right. It all points to rising discontent. Maybe to some sort of organization. Bailey said, Commissioner, I don't get this. Are you testing me for some reason? What? The commissioner looked honestly bewildered. Bailey watched him. Three days ago, a spacer was murdered, and the spacers think the murderer is an Earthman. Till now, his finger tapped the desk, nothing's come out. Is that right? Commissioner, that's unbelievable. Jehoshaphat, Commissioner, a thing like this would blow New York off the face of the planet if it really happened. The commissioner shook his head. It's not as simple as that. Look, Liege, I've been out three days. I've been in conference with the mayor. I've been out to Space Town. I've been in Washington, talking to the Terrestrial Bureau of Investigation. Oh, and what did the Teddies have to say? They say it's our baby. It's inside city limits. Space Town is under New York jurisdiction. But with extraterritorial rights. I know, I'm coming to that. The Commissioner's eyes fell away from Bailey's flinty stare. 
He seemed to regard himself as having been rudely demoted to the position of Bailey's underling, and Bailey behaved as though he accepted the fact. The spacers can run the show, said Bailey. Wait a minute, Leach, pleaded the commissioner. Don't rush me. I'm trying to talk this over friend to friend. I want you to know my position. I was there when the news broke. I had an appointment with him. With Roge Nemenu Sarton. The victim? The victim, the commissioner groaned. Five minutes more, and I myself would have discovered the body. What a shock that would have been. As it was, it was brutal. Brutal. They met me and told me. It started a three-day nightmare, Liege. That on top of having everything blurred on me and having no time to replace my glasses for days. That won't happen again, at least. I've ordered three pairs. Bailey considered the picture he conjured up of the event. He could see the tall, fair figures of the spacers approaching the commissioner with the news and breaking it to him in their unvarnished, emotionless way. Julius would remove his glasses and polish them. Inevitably, under the impact of the event, he would drop them, then look down at the broken remnants with a quiver of his soft, full lips. Bailey was quite certain that for five minutes anyway, the commissioner was much more disturbed over his glasses than over the murder. The commissioner was saying, It's a devil of a position, as you say, the spacers have extraterritorial rights. They can insist on their own investigation, make whatever report they wish to their home or governments. The outer worlds could use this as an excuse to pile on indemnity charges. You know how that would sit with the population. It would be political suicide for the White House to agree to pay, and another kind of suicide to not pay. You don't have to draw me a picture, said Bailey. He had been a small boy when the gleaming cruisers from outer space last sent down their soldiers into Washington, New York, and Moscow to collect what they claimed was theirs. Then you see, pay or not pay, it's trouble. The only way out is to find the murderer on our own and hand them over to the spacers. It's up to us. Why not give it to the TBI? Even if it is our jurisdiction, from a legalistic viewpoint, there's the question of interstellar relations. The TBI won't touch it. This is hot. And it's in our lap. For a moment, he lifted his head and gazed keenly at his subordinate. And it's not good, Liege. Every one of us stands the chance of being out of a job. Bailey said, Replace us all? Nuts. The trained men to do it with don't exist. Ours, said the commissioner. They exist. What? Our Sammy is just a beginning. He runs errands. Others can patrol the expressways. Damn it, man. I know the spacers better than you do, and I know what they're doing. There are ours that can do your work and mine. We can be declassified. Don't think differently. And at our age, to hit the labor pool? Bailey said gruffly. All right. The commissioner looked abashed. Sorry, Liege. Bailey nodded and tried not to think of his father. The commissioner knew the story, of course. Bailey said, When did all this replacement business come up? Look, you're being naive, Liege. It's been happening all along. It's been happening for 25 years, ever since the spacers came. You know that. It's just beginning to reach higher, that's all. If we muff this case, it's a big, long step towards the point where we can stop looking forward to collecting our pension tab booklets. On the other hand, Liege, if we handle the matter well, it can shove that point far into the future. And it will be a particular break for you. For me, said Bailey. You'll be the operative in charge, Liege. I don't rate it, Commissioner. I'm a C5, that's all. You want a C6 rating, don't you? Did he? 
Bailey knew the privileges of C6 rating Gaddied. A seat on the expressway in the rush hour, not just from 10 to 4. Higher up on the list of choice of the section kitchens. Maybe even a chance at a better apartment? And a quota ticket to the solarium levels for Jesse? I want it, he said. Sure, why wouldn't I? But what would I get if I couldn't break the case? Why wouldn't you break it, Leash? The commissioner wailed. You're a good man. You're one of the best we have. But there are half a dozen men with higher ratings in my department section. Why should they be passed over? Bailey did not say out loud, though his bearing implied it strongly, that the commissioner did not move outside protocol in this fashion except in cases of wild emergency. The commissioner folded his hands. Two reasons. You're not just another detective to me. We're friends too. I'm not forgetting we were in college together. Sometimes it may look as though I've forgotten, but that's the fault of rating. I'm commissioner, and you know what that means. But I'm still your friend, and this is a tremendous chance for the right person. I want you to have it. That's one reason, said Bailey without warmth. The second reason is that I think you're my friend. I need a favor. What sort of favor? I want you to take on a spacer partner in this deal. That was the condition the space was made. They've agreed not to report the murder. They've agreed to leave the investigation in our hands. But in return, they insist one of their own agents be in on the deal. The whole deal. It sounds like they don't trust us altogether. Surely you see their point. If this is mishandled, a number of them will be in trouble with their own governments. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, Leach. I'm willing to believe they mean well. I'm sure they do, Commissioner. That's the trouble with them. The Commissioner looked blank at that, but went on. Are you willing to take on a spacer partner, Leash? You're asking that as a favour? Yes, I'm asking you to take the job with all the conditions the spacers have set up. I'll take a spacer partner, Commissioner. Thanks, Leash. He'll have to live with you. Oh, now, hold on. I know, I know. But you've got a large apartment, Leash. Three rooms, only one child. You can put him up. He'll be no trouble. No trouble at all. And it's necessary. Jesse won't like it, I know that. You tell Jesse, the commissioner was earnest. So earnest that his eyes seemed to bore holes through the glass discs blocking his stare. That if you do this for me, I'll do what I can when this is all over to jump you to a grade. You tell Jesse, the commissioner was earnest. So earnest that his eyes seemed to bore holes through the glass discs blocking his stare. That if you do this for me, I'll do what I can when this is all over to jump you a grade. C7, Liege. C7. All right, Commissioner. It's a deal. Bailey half rose from his chair, caught the look on Enderby's face and sat down again. There's something else? Slowly the Commissioner nodded. One more item. Which is? The name of your partner. What difference does that make? The spacers, said the Commissioner, have peculiar ways. The partner they're supplying isn't isn't Bailey's eyes open wide. Just a minute. You've got to leash. You've got to. There's no way out. Stay at my apartment? A thing like that? As a friend, please. No. No. Leash, I can't trust anyone else in this. Do I have to spell it out for you? We've got to work with the spacers. We've got to succeed if we have to keep this indemnity ships away from Earth. But we can't succeed just any old way. You'll be partnered with one of their R's. If he breaks the case, if he can report that we're incompetent, we're ruined anyway. We as a department. 
You see that, don't you? So you've got a delicate job on your hands. You've got to work with him. But see to it that you solve the case and not he. Understand? You mean cooperate with him 100% except that I cut his throat, pat him on the back with a knife in my hand? What else can we do? There's no other way. Leish Bailey stood irresolute. I don't know what Jessie will say. I'll talk to her if you want me to. No, Commissioner. He drew a deep sighing breath. What's my partner's name? Ardeneel Olivier. Bailey said sadly. This isn't a time for euphemism, Commissioner. I'm taking the job. So let's use his full name. Robot Daniil Olivier.